Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Molten lava is hot. This is the fact off. Welcome to the fact off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the fact off. It's the fact off. Yeah, it's the fact off. Welcome to Fact Off. I'm your host, Alex, and it's with me as always is Mike. Oh, I got first bill this week. Yes. <sighs> yep. And Pat. And me. Just, uh, you know, your winner of the Fact Off last week. Don't ruin the, the surprise. I'm so excited I can't keep it in anymore. Yeah. That's why you got second bill, because yeah. we, don't, we don't want this win to happen. I'm yelling it from the rooftops. <laughs> Both of our listeners are going to be excited. Mom and Dad will be excited. <laughs> they will be excited. <laughs> well, welcome to Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listeners, can decide on who's the winner. And as Pat ruined the surprise earlier, he won the first time in like Boo. three years. Boo. It's been a long time since I left you without a dope fact to step to. I, I, th- I thought nice. my fact was decent, but I didn't even get a single gosh darn vote. <laughs> so what is your victory fact, Pat, since you won? So my victory fact is that every year at Cooper's Hill, near Gloucester in England, there is an event called Cheese Rolling. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, we I think everybody in the, the world has heard of that one. All right, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why you don't don't vote for Pat. Vote for Alex or me. We'll give you the real facts. It's still a fact. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fact, but it's is not a real fact. Is that a real fact? Yeah. Well, that's okay, because I got about five more coming your way. But does that oh, mean it's time for past fast fact, fun fact, factor, to family fact time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. As always, here's my calendar facts of the week, where Mike and Alex get to judge which one's the best, which one's the worst. Mike, you're the worst this week. Alex, you're the best. Yes. I was just because I was giving you crap of your <laughs> yeah, winning shit from Mike. Did you know? I'm sure this is not a real fact, but squirrels cause most powder out. (laughs) I'm a mush mouth today. (laughs) Power outages in the U.S. Most powder outages? People are powdering their nose. Squirrels ruin it. I actually listened Uh, to a podcast where they talked about how much damage squirrels do, and it's quite significant. Really? Yeah. What are they doing? You should be hunting them down. Hiding nuts in them? I don't know. Like chewing through wires and... yeah. Having sex on wires and stuff. Outdoor rats. Rats, outdoor rats. (laughs) (laughs) This is my outdoor rat facts. Uh, Flamingos bend their legs at their ankles, not their knees. Really? How long are their ankles? I don't know. (laughs) Let me pull up, like, flamingo socks to see, like, how far they go up. Like, ankle socks. It is true. Like, their knees... It's like two feet up that where they bend their legs. I guess yeah. that's their ankle. Really? I don't know. I don't know how they know what an ankle is on on birds. Anyways, that it, birds have ankles. They do now. Okay. Uh, Wayne's World was filmed in two weeks. I can see that. <laughs> Butterflies taste with their feet. I think I've heard that before. And then finally, oh, wow. <laughs> what? So yeah, like their knees, like. Up in the body, supposedly, and the ankle is where, like, where you see like that little 
on the like in the middle of their leg. So you think that's uh, just their knee, and the scientist was like being stubborn? I think so. So the knees up their butt, you said? Well, I think when they like lift their leg up. <laughs> so like when you see them standing, it's mostly their ankle. Oh, so they're kind of like hunched over. Like they're not actually using their full leg when they're standing. No, I think so. I think their knees like in the middle body. And that like little lump you see is technically their ankle. This is like a fact within a fact. It's wild. Alex is lost it's wild. in the rabbit hole. Animals are, are the fun. Next two hours of this podcast is me going to slowly delete, find information about flamingos. What we're just gonna take your phone, delete Google off your phone, and uh, you'll be a better person. You mean back rub? <laughs> <laughs> yes, gross. Yeah. What was, uh, was the next fact? I'm going to snap Alex right out of his uh, flamingo f- uh, infatuation. There are actually more public libraries in the U.S. than McDonald's. Well, if every town has a library and every town has two McDonald's, then your fact doesn't add up. <laughs> I actually read this uh, fact as there are more public libraries in the United States than there are public libraries in McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very true. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to read a greasy book. Um, but I think most books you get from the library end up being greasy and full of like snack stains and stuff. Hey, as someone who just got a library? library card over the weekend, I'm looking forward to greasing up some books. <laughs> <laughs> See, people like you going to the library. That's the reason why I don't go. Uh, best fact <laughs> of the night, Flamingos. Ankle. And the worst fact has to be, I don't even remember. It's one of the ones I don't remember, so it's that one. Yep. Oh, yeah. I hate that one. I think the butterflies taste with their feet was kind of a miss. Yeah, that's kind of lame. I already know. had two animal facts. Come on, calendar. Because that's how you eat, too, Pat. You eat with your feet. So. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> uh, Pat, since you won, you can also decide. Wait, did, did Mike get no votes? Mike got no votes, which means uh, he is the... Fact off, jack off. Yeah, <laughs> take that, Mike. So what happens to me? No, you just get to call it a jack off all week. Yeah, and you get to go first. I get to go first? Yeah, yep. also, I've been talking for like the last 10 minutes. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, you need a little break. You need a little breather. <laughs> you need a little breather. I don't breathe when so. I talk, so I'm about to pass out. <laughs> Pat just laid down in bed to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just assume he does that every 30 minutes. It's true. Uh, so, w- one of my favorite uh, pizza toppings is black olives. You suck. Are you guys a big <laughs> black olive fan? You suck. <laughs> uh, I second I'm, Alex's opinion. I don't oh, like. If you're a vegetarian. Like, if it's on like a supreme pizza, I don't mind it. But it's never going to be like I'm getting a black olive pizza. I've always been like a sausage and black olives guy. For some reason, I like the combination of those two flavors, and I I don't know why. I've just always gone gone for it. Um, but like, what what do you what do you have against black olives, Alex? Nothing. I just I'm not a huge fan. I don't I don't think we were ever into olives like at all. It's what turns me olives off in about a martini. Yeah. yeah. No, no to olives in general. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, but I've always loved olive. them. I like to olive death. oil. Yeah, everybody if food does. Food and Popeye's wife or girlfriend. I don't know if they're hey, back off. Popeye would beat the crap out of you. Actually, you. olive oil was like the original. Like product, like they people didn't even used to eat olives at all. Um, it was just olive oil because olives themselves would be too bitter for anybody to eat. 
Where did um, we go so wrong? I know. And I didn't realize this, but like 30% of the olive is oil. Like it's a very oily fruit. That's not good for you. But it, it it actually wasn't until like the Romans came up with a way to like make the olives edible. What they did was they like picked the olives um, before they were ripe and like put them in brine. And the brining process is what made them less bitter. When you said like, oh, it wasn't until recently when we said it, the olives. <laughs> I, agree. I thought you meant like the 1800s. I thought you meant like the 70s. <laughs> not the Romans. Romans is pretty recent, and like if you look at history, well, like, yeah, through, uh, uh, if you're looking well, at yeah. the, the the world Big Bang is four thousand years, 13 million years ago. <laughs> the world is four thousand years old. Yeah. Yep, correct. No, keep going, Mike. Back to the Black Ops. I, I've always loved them, and when I'm at the grocery store, I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find them first off, and you see on the shelves like jar after jar after jar of like different types of green olives, Kalamata. Olives, all that stuff. Where are the black olives? I, they're impossible to find. And I, I, it wasn't until a while ago I realized that you can only buy black olives in cans. Really? Really? Did you notice that? Like, you, you can't find black olives anywhere. <laughs> Mike, you're in talking a jar. to two people who said they don't eat olives. So you had look- to have gone there and buy it for somebody. You know, like no. you don't look at the shelves. Nope. If <laughs> <laughs> you ever see me shopping at the grocery <laughs> store, my face is in my phone. Following my wife, five feet behind her, <laughs> and then just reaching reach for the candy. Her saying no. <laughs> yep. Her saying no. We already have enough candy at home, guys. Only yep. if you're good. <laughs> and I never am. <laughs> you guys have to be on your best behavior. At what you need to do is just go shopping on your own, and then you can buy the candy. That's she threatens me. She says, "I'm going to buy black olives if you don't help out." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> In the can too. It'd be no, nasty. not the can. They, I didn't know they came into a can until two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, that got me like that sparked a curiosity hunt in my brain because I'm like, I got to know why are they in cans and not in jars. Um, but more on that in a in a few. So, what is a black olive? Do you guys even know? It's an olive that's black. Yeah, I mean. Essentially, but Good job, basically Pat. they pick the green olive off the tree. It, green olives aren't ripe olives, if you didn't know that. I did but not know that. No. They pick them, and what they do to get the black olive is they artificially ripen them. So a black olive is an artificially ripened green olive, and it like, goes through like a curing process and an alkaline solution, and then it gets treated with like oxygen and an iron compound, and that's how you get that super shiny black skin on there. Man, it's such yeah. a big process for a terrible food. <laughs> I know. And they're speaking of relatively recent, the black olives themselves are relatively relatively recent. Yeah, idea. like 200 so, BC. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was uh, mid 1890s. Okay. Uh, okay, so I consider that recent. More that's so more than recent. The, yeah. Than the I, I might have misspoke earlier. Yeah. Um, but a German widow, <laughs> this is this is German widow here. She she invented these black olives. Um, she was named Frida Iman, and I pronounced that right. I'm sure sure of it. Alex, you're the pronunciation expert on this show. Do you think that sounds right to you? Yeah, I don't know how it's spelled or anything. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it sounded like a name. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't she stutter was, through she, any part of it. That's true. I I this is a pretty easy name. I think. Um, 
she owned like a small olive grove in California. And most people probably just looked at it and said, oh, this is, this is nothing. Um, she's probably not going to make anything of it. Um, but she got this recipe from the University of California to make black olives. To like, and she tweaked it over the years and slowly developed the black olive we know today. Okay. And so she began selling these olives locally, and then like it just became a national sensation. So the first city it really picked up in was Philadelphia. Yes! You I knew it. It's always Philly. Say. Every week we have a Philly fact. Yeah, it's true. And it was this. I accidentally stumbled into this Philly fact. I didn't realize it until I'm like, there it is, right there. Um, people from Philly like their black olives, I guess. Not all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Not all. Yeah. What, what's wrong with you? Did you guys know that black olives were a big in Philly? Or I heard it about thirty seconds ago. So I'm gonna go spread the word. So go tell it. Early on, when she was like moving these olives around the country, she like put them in like barrels or like uh kegs and like loosely covered them like a lid they weren't like sealed up super tight and obviously that's not the best way to transport like that type of thing across the country you're probably sloshing about spilling spilling stuff and just doesn't seem sanitary so jars jars seems like the logical way to like sell your olives right yes i want to say it looks good on the shelves it's fantastic so, smash cut to August 1919. That's Alex's thing. The year I was born. That's also We're at Alex's a dinner thing. party, 14 people. It's a great. We're all having a great time, and everybody gets sick. Seven people out of the 14 die. Wow, that's half. That's half, yeah. You're lucky yeah, to survive. doing the math. Yep, do the math. They called an epidemiologist to painstakingly recreate this dinner party. And I actually looked at the pictures. It's pretty funny. They had like the the whole <laughs> table outline funny. of like, where everybody sat with like X's and O's marking like what ooh, what they ooh, ate. Ooh, and some people ooh, ate this. Ooh. Some people ate that. Um, They're trying to like whittle it down to figure out like what killed these seven people. And like what olives? they found out was it was the ripened olives. Yeah. I knew it. That's why I don't eat olives. The fact it would have took a left turn if it was something completely different. <laughs> Pickles. I know, it's it's kind of tragic too because like one yeah, of the servers gave the uh, chef one of the black olives and said, "Hey, uh, does this taste funny to you?" And the chef ate ate two of them and said, "Yeah, they they do kind of taste funny." That chef died Wait, a couple so days later. Did the other guy die? Well, I, I, I don't, I'm not keeping track of the seven people that died in the seven I like people that you that... said it was kind of tragic. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that seven people died, and the 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 chef died from eating a Man, black olive. More than half. It's like a captain of a boat going down with the ship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if all my people are going to die, I'm going to go too. <laughs> and this is not funny, everyone. <laughs> I thought that's pretty good. This case didn't involve Frida's olives, but it wasn't until 1922 that another case happened and those involved her olives. Uh Uh-oh. And it was, ended up being the culprit was botulism. So what happens is when they were jarred, they, they, yeah, they botched it. Exactly. Is that where botch comes from? From botulism? It has to, right? Please don't Google this. (laughs) You keep talking. I'm looking it up. Oh my God. I'll listen to you, Mike. 
so what what happened is jars can't withstand 240 degree temperatures. So that's the process they had to put the temperature they had to put put the black olives under to get rid of the to sterilize them so botulism wouldn't grow. Okay, so would they just like explode? Yeah, they would explode. So that's why they put them in cans is because cans can go to the 240 degree temperature so they could can the black olives, sterilize them so the botulism is no more. Nice. And it's a kind of a tragic tale because this widow, she was a hardworking lady and she developed all this on her own. She uh, worked long hours and she just was like in mental anguish because she didn't realize she killed all these people. Like her idea to put it in jars ended up like killing all these people. That widow became the widow maker. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it it's a sad story, but that's why we have uh, black olives in cans. And that's why you can't find them in jars. So it's good to know. Not to eat black olives. They'll kill you. (laughs) That's all I'm taking away from this. What's the name of your fact, Mike? Jars suck, cans (laughs) wool. Back to black. Oh. Ooh, okay, hold on. Uh, No, it's kind (laughs) of would have been the same. No, I thought we had a theme going on with us. Titles for stuff, but Mike's title slightly off. You, would you like to go and tell us your title? Yeah. Um, I'll <laughs> tell you my title when I'm done. Okay. So, you threw me off. So, back in like the 1885-ish. This That was a short while ago, like a couple days. Yeah. Young man <laughs> named by Carl Benz designed the first... Car. Practical use automobile. He did. Oh, Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, and he was like, I made this car, and people were like, nah, we don't want it. It wasn't selling well. But he had somebody who believed in him. Can I guess his name? Mercedes. Yeah, you can guess his name. Jonathan Mercedes. No, it was his wife, Bertha Benz. She was 39 at the time, and like, your your cars are great. We need somehow to market them. So they decided to take their first road trip. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so her and her two sons snuck out, took one of the cars from the assembly from the factory, and decided to go visit her mother uh, sixty miles away. Let me guess, it broke down three times on the, on the way. Eh, it had its ups and downs, but she wanted to prove that these cars can go a long distance and not like injure people. She ran over seven people. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest issue was there wasn't like many roads and all to go through, so they kind of had to find their way. Imagine driving on those old roads before pavement. It would have yeah, probably been going horrible. 2.5 miles per hour. Ooh, that's probably why down. the cars didn't last very long, because they were probably being jostled to Wait, death. Wait, that's how fast they went? 2.5 miles an hour? Yep. And she went 60 miles? Well, no, sorry. It was like 2.5 horsepower. I don't know exactly what that would... Go to. Oh yeah, horsepower is always equal to it, how fast like, a car no, can I, go. I that, Yeah, I think that's. I think they said about like ten miles per hour. Something more than fast, like faster than still six hours. Yeah. Well, she she left in the morning and then they got there to after dusk, but she went from Mannheim to Fortunskim Skem Hem. <laughs> These are German <laughs> cities, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. P F O R Z. You don't have to C- read these H- cities off because yeah, nobody knows I just anyways. Can't even read the letters without <laughs> <laughs> wrote it down. <laughs> so she had 
first you had to stop and get gasoline for the car. So where do you get gasoline at this time? Yeah, Gas I was going to wonder that. Like, how do you get gasoline? You go to the pharmacist. They used to sell gasoline for, as That's cleaning cool. fluid. So this place she actually stopped in in Westlock is actually considered, it's, it's still there today, and it has a sign saying it was the first gas station. No, that's cute. In Germany or so, in the world? Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> yep. I'm going yep. to move on from your line of questioning. So, and then the engine would overheat. So anytime they would stop, they had to, they would find water and cool down the engine. I had a car like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, eventually you just pee on the thing and hopefully it works. They had to stop in another town to find a blacksmith to repair a snap drive chain. You know, what did I tell it, you? What did I tell you? The really good but, marketing for this car. <laughs> well, by the time they got to the, uh, her mother's house, it was a big Ford news. had already built a hundred of them yeah, off, their, was, off their line. <laughs> it was huge. Everybody was talking about it. They said on, well, when she got there, because the, they had the brake to go downhill, like, Destroyed the brakes, so they actually had to find a. <laughs> they found a cobbler to repl- uh, replace the leather brake sh- uh, shoe. And actually, he's like considered the first one to create brake linings for your brake. And then also, when they got to the town, the car wasn't powerful enough to go uphill, so the sons and a couple of farmers had to push the car up the hill. <laughs> but they said it was so successful on the way back, people lined the road to see the car drive by. <laughs> And help push it. As it yeah, its yeah. I, I'm guessing that John Revere like rode his horse around, like telling everybody the good news of this <laughs> new vehicle. Yeah, but she yeah. got back home. Everybody was safe, and car sales took off. Hold on, is John Revere a callback to when he messed up Paul Revere yeah. <laughs> in like the very first episode? I don't think he said John though. No. It might have been Tom Revere or something like I that. I think it was Tom. Or, it was either Tom or Bill. The whole Revere family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Continue. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. No, but she made it back, and it was a big to-do. They have a festival every two years to commemorate her driving this stretch of land. Is Should that where know? all like the mechanics come yeah. come together? <laughs> and she has like a memorial highway now named after her. That's a pretty big deal. It helped the car take off. People are like, these cars can go. 60 miles in the whole day. Whose idea was it to charge a lot of money for him? Uh, I think that was Chrysler. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Bob Chrysler. Is that the fact? Yeah, it's my fact. I told you it was a short one. What, what is my it called? My fact that, baby, you can drive my car. And then his was back to black? Yeah. I thought a, a second, I thought it was back in black. But it's well, not. we can change it to Back in Black. <laughs> All right, let's do Back in Black. Let's do it. What, yeah, these yeah. classic rock titles? Yep. Yes. All right, I'll, I have a classic rock title for you. <laughs> All right, bring us your fact. I, I want to vote for one of these facts. Remember when uh, they went back to the USSR? Yeah. All right, so what is the biggest bomb ever recorded? This podcast. <laughs> like, what type of bomb? <laughs> what are you talking about? The biggest bomb ever recorded. Like music, movie, or actual bomb. What's a bomb? Hiroshima. John Carter of Mars is the biggest box office bomb of all time. Okay. So anyway, uh, so one of the things that I personally do, and I don't know why I do this, is pay attention to how much movies make. I do that. uh, Boxofficemojo.com. 
I know. Um, and they tell you uh, how much it costs, and then it, they never really tell you how much marketing costs, but then they're always like, well, if you factor in marketing, blah, 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 blah. They only do that for movies they don't like. They don't really uh, put out like the uh, movie costs much anymore. I think you might have to pay for like a higher level of IMDb Plus or something like that now to see the full. They actually, um, you actually, they found out the actual cost of John Carter because uh, England had to file some sort of like a tax deductible tax rebate thing. So they came out with the full price of the movie, which is pretty rare. Usually it's like 200. Like every movie just costs. 200 or 150 it's always like some very round number um so anyway john carter do you guys ever know the story do you know the background of john carter the book the movie or the book the book the story i don't know much about the book no okay so um a little bit background it was written as a six-part serial in 1912 the yo mike was born yeah i was waiting for it i even paused for you to fill it in for the all story magazine by edgar rice burroughs and it was the first book of The Princess of Mars. Oh, and the first book. They put the six serials together, uh, released in 1917. So and were serials inst- back then kind of like comics, or they were just like yeah. short stories? I think they, they were, were short, short stories. stories. So they would like do like a little bit in the paper. Or a magazine. Yeah. Like one week we'd have a couple chapters, and then the next week we'd have more of it. I have the John Carter from Mars book. Is that just like all the serials... Yeah, that would be put a together. Book? There is a bunch of the books. So okay, the first book was called Princess of Mars. There's a whole bunch. There is a John Carter of Mars. There's Warlords of Mars. All of the Mars thing, um, and it instantly became a phenomenon back in 1917. So it's and like actually, Star Wars before Star Wars type thing. It's a huge influence if you look it up for movies like Star Wars, Dune, Your Precious Dune. Um, lots of movies got a lot of their sci-fi stuff from. Eat, love, pray. Um, eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love. Or, or the sci-fi version, eat, love, pray. Uh, but pray is spelled P-R-E-Y. Yeah. Um, I would watch that. So Edgar Rice Burroughs, he was a prolific adventure fantasy and sci-fi writer, and you might know him better for creating a little character known as Tarzan. <gasps> I know. Wait, so he also created Tarzan? He created Tarzan. That's crazy. I, I, didn't, I thought Tarzan was a lot older than that. No, no. Tarzan is... 1900s, like probably around 1920s or so. Wow, okay. Tarzan's loosely based off Mike's life. It's true. Yeah. That one time I was wild in the woods. So even though the movie eventually came out in 2012 and no one saw it, it almost made, it was almost made a number of times. In the 30s, the creator of Looney Tunes, Bob Clampett, tried to make it into an animated movie, but when he showed like the sizzle reel for like investors, they were not impressed. Uh, And the interesting thing is that he really wanted to make it uh, and had they made it, it would have been the first full-length animated movie. Side fact, what is the first full-length animated movie? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. Over the years, it went through a number of big directors like John McTiernan. Uh, he was the director of The Predator and Die Hard. Um, and in the 90s, he came pretty close. Rumors had Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts attached to star in it. I would watch and, that. Yeah, 100%. And um, he eventually... It was like over years they had all these writers and all this stuff and production, and eventually he got fed up with technology and just said, we can't make this movie. And he went on to make The Last Action Hero, which was a box office bomb itself. Cool classic. It is a cool classic. You know what movie that lost out to? I got into a lot of box office stuff this week. When did it come out? 93. 
93, I want to say Jurassic Park. Yep, Jurassic Park, which was a huge like technological marvel at the time. And that's what he was complaining about this di- movie. Well, they recreated dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, Robert Rodriguez was attached to direct. And even John Favreau got pretty far <gasps> into Fav? the process. of Yeah. But he would eventually leave to direct a movie called Swears. Iron Man. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> he left. <laughs> I'm trying to read my fact. So it was just like one of these movies, like all these people want to make this movie. It's like a lot of sci-fi people in the field love this story. It's something they grew up with. They've always tried to make it and it never really came to fruition. And then in comes Andrew Stanton. He is uh, of Pixar fame. You might know him as a co-writer of Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story 2. He's also the writer and director of Finding Nemo and WALL-E. WALL-E! Yeah. WALL-E! Uh, um, unpopular opinion, but Wally sucked. I like Wally. I like the I beginning. Think Wally's good. Wally's good. Yeah, sucked. Um, so he was riding high, and he he looked up. He uh, he was like, "Wait, no one has the rights to." It was in public domain again, and he went to Disney and said, "I would love to make this movie, but if I don't make it, you need to make this movie." And eventually, Disney, like he was riding high off the success success of those movies, they're like, "Sure, you you can do it." Um, anyway, smash cut to. When the movie is released. Oh, and during the making of it, guess who wanted to be in the movie in 2012? Guess who lobbied real hard to be John Carter? I have no clue who, who was Tom to Cruise. Do. Oh, I could have still really? done it. Okay. He was probably too old at that point, most likely. Yeah, he apparently lobbied real hard. And then they asked like the girl who ended up being the lead actress. She was like, I don't think he ever had a shot. <laughs> like He was 20 years older than every other actor they had <laughs> coming in to play him. Hot take, I don't think the movie's that bad. No, it's a good movie. I like John Carter. I liked it when it came out. I don't think it's a flop if Tom Cruise is in it. I, I think most people most people think that the failure of this movie is due to the marketing campaign and uh, changing the name from John Carter from Mars to just John Carter, which is the most generic name you could possibly think of. Yeah, they really took the uh, magic of the movie out, and they just made it John Carter. Um, also, the, it was based on the book Princess of Mars, and they changed that to John Carter of Mars because they really did not think and men would go see a movie called Princess of Mars. No matter, like, if it was the exact same movie, they wouldn't go see it just because the word princess is in title. So, the movie cost $264 million before marketing, and again, marketing was awful. They changed the name, they did, did reshoots, but that was at the time where research, reshoots weren't common. So, the second they went into reshoots, they were like, well, this movie must suck. It didn't even win number one at the box office the weekend it came out. It's in the top ten most expensive movies ever made, and it didn't make number one. Guess what movie lost out to? It's one of my when nephew's they- favorite movies. When did it come out? Was it was How it a kids, a, kids a, movie? A, a that... Can I be? Oh, I like the Lorax. Yeah, Lost of the Lorax. Yeah, I knew it lost to a kids movie, but I didn't remember which one. Yeah, Lost of the Lorax, and only made thirty million dollars the opening weekend. And leading up to it, the like Variety did the whole like article about like this is going to be a flop. Everything about this movie is terrible, and essentially like Willem Dafoe, he was like, yeah, I really enjoyed making it. He's like, we put a lot of effort into it. And before the movie even came out, you just, you could see the writing was on the wall that everyone had decided that this was going to be terrible. Yeah. I think when a show or like a movie or a show gets like that big budget, like when it's like so expensive, people want it to fail. Yeah. Like the yeah, show sure. Terra Nova at the time was the most expensive TV show for like network TV. 
that's all you heard about. And the show was good. It only lasted one season, but the show was good. And like I, you already get this sense with the new Lord of the Rings show. People are already talking about how much it costs to make. So like, I don't think people want it to like not do well. Well, that's why they're raising the prime. It's just yeah. to fund the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> <laughs> not just right. not because gas went up or anything like that. No, it's not because at all. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the um, cost to make Lord of the Rings is astronomical. All right, I'm going to finish up real quick. All in all, the movie made $284 million. Again, it was on a $264 million budget before marketing. So the total loss was somewhere between $113 and $200 million. Does Disney ever recover from that? Do they have any big hits after 2004? No, they went completely out of business. They don't even exist anymore. So the goal of John Carter was to create their own Star Wars. So in 2012, John Carter came and went, and it was a huge bomb that cost him $200 million. So, so they just they bought do? Star Wars. <laughs> Later that year, in October 2012, they spent $4 billion to buy the rights to Star Wars, and the rest is history. Basically, they they're like, anymore. we're too lazy to make our own IP. We're just going to buy somebody else's IP and run it into the ground. Yeah, and if my research, it might not be completely up to date, but last I read, the rights to the John Carter series... I went back to the estate, so technically the three of us could maybe buy the rights and make our own John Carter movie. I'm all about that, but um, I feel like Mars is kind of a boring uh, planet. <laughs> just we'll just bit. do it. We'll just focus the entire movie on his Confederacy, Joe. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. All right, that's my fact. What's the name? What's the name? Tell us. Tell us. We'll drop a bomb on you. <laughs> I try to keep it. That wasn't my oh, original title, terrible. but I wanted to I wanted to make yeah. an, a song title. That's a song? Yeah, what's that song? We'll drop a bomb it's on you. It's you too, yeah, right? No, it's not you too. Oh, Creed? No. The Gap, you dropped the bomb on me. There you go. The Gap? The t- the clothing it's the, store? The Gap band. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, there you have it. You have your Back in Black, Mike's Olive Love Story. You have Baby, You Can Drive My Car, the story of the first road trip. And then you have the story of John Carter, You Dropped a Bomb on Me. Go over to factoffpodcast.com to vote, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Like us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, that's it. I love my fact. Hope everybody does as well. I love it. Did I say that right? It's I love it. Cut this part out. Have a good night. In the new podcast, Reformation Abroad, you get immersed in the story of a prison crew in outer space on a work release program. But once the crew discovers a dark secret, they find that their lives may be in danger. Here's a quick taste of Reformation Abroad. This is Chief Engineer Kowalski. The Abori requests immediate assistance at X-Ray Tango Echo-499. Come on! We have to go now! Hello, team lead. Please call me King. King ran the biggest crew in Cook County Jail. Going after that ship was a total mistake. This is the official statement, and you will do well to stick to it. I'm going to leave you all in five if you don't get back to the pod. going to kill us all. Cam, I think we've got bigger problems right now. We are a voice in the darkness. The only hope out here on the sideline. How did this get so out of hand? Let this horse run. Guys, I really don't think this is a good idea! Check out Reformation Abroad a fun, immersive science fiction audio drama wherever you listen to podcasts.